what's happened to me in Japan. So I, I had two great kids, got married, got divorced, went through the gauntlet of working in Japanese companies, which were horrible fits for me, not all their fault, a lot of my fault too, but learned a ton, got a book out of it, yeah. <laughs> a manga, gained friends, lost friends, as we had already mentioned. I'm doing a lot of thinking about why I never really was too happy here. And a lot of it did have to do with the experiences in that book I wrote. Yeah. I, it's a lot of self-therapy in that book. And it cost me a lot. It burned me out. It, it probably contributed to my divorce. So closing the book on all that is a very... Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, pun intended, I guess. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Now in Zen podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Gugu Sleep Company and by Dream Drive. We all know getting a great sleep is important, and this is what Gugu is all about. Super comfortable mattresses at very affordable prices and delivered to your home for free. They back up their best sleep ever promise with a 100-night money-back guarantee. Learn more at gugu.jp and enter the coupon code ZEN for your 20% discount. Gugu, better sleep, better you. Explore Japan in comfort and ease with Dream Drive. Rent a customized camper van to go camping, take nature hikes, relax at onsens, or just discover the many beautiful places less traveled around Japan. Dream Drive has various camper vans for solo travelers and families and is more affordable than trains and hotels as it's only one price per night. Go to dreamdrive.life to plan your next Japan adventure. Enter the coupon code ZEN and receive a sweet discount when making your customized camper van reservation. Dream Drive, the hotel on wheels. Hello, friends. This episode of the Now in Zen podcast, we welcome back Mike Howard, the author of The Salaryman, a memoir. Mike was first on the podcast seven months ago, just after publishing The Salaryman. Since our original meeting, Mike has had many new developments and made some life-altering decisions. Today, we discuss how his life has changed since he published his book. These include new partnerships, some negative fallout, an exciting Salaryman spin-off project, a new career development, and some serious self-reflection. You will also learn about indie self-publishing, what to do and not to do self-promotion strategies, and why after 13 years in Japan, Mike is moving back to the U.S. to live in his parents' basement. This episode was actually a spontaneous but really fun recording. Direct from Tokyo, this is Now in Zen with the salaryman, Mike Howard. Well, I'm here with the salaryman. How's it going? Pretty good. I, uh, I think it's time I put that on a business card. I've been called that enough times here. The sal- here comes the salary man. Well, a lot has happened since the last time you and I spoke on this podcast. Yes. It's been about seven months. I think it was, it was pre-COVID. Yeah, that's right. So when I met you the first time, I think it was January or February. It was yeah. the first podcast that, you've, that you had ever been on. Yes. And now you're rise to stardom has <laughs> catapulted you back to where I started no <laughs> just kidding you've been getting a lot 
of media attraction and a lot of PR. So what has happened in the seven months since we first spoke on this podcast? What's new, man? Well, you, you give me the bug. It's, it's, your, it's your inspiration. You, you were the first person to sign me up for a podcast. You engaged me on it and got me hooked on this whole thing. So I, I, I wanted more. This was half self-promotion that got me this stardom that you're calling. It was me going out and pounding the, the pavement, talking to people who like to talk about Japan, talk about the realities of it and what it's like to live here. That's right in my wheelhouse. And so there's tons of podcasts that cover that these days. So. How many podcasts have you been on now? I think half a dozen, roughly. That's pretty good. Yeah. So a result of all of this publicity, what has improved for you and the book, The Salary Man? I think I've like honed in on... I, the book gets into like my theories of how I l- learned to live in Japan. And I think I was able to fine-tune those a little bit into like sharper narratives, um, better ways to tell the story. So has all of this publicity that you've been doing, has it generated more sales? Yes, it has. I'll get bumps for like a week or two with every podcast I do. This, what, is, what does a bump mean? I'll, like, I'll get, instead of averaging a, a book a day in sales like I have been I'll double that or triple that for a good two weeks or more okay the biggest bumps I've gotten are when like individual people who heard a podcast or a presentation posted themselves like a recommendation on their own channel socially they, they have a following and uh, sometimes I don't even know who they are oh like influencers or something like that you yeah mean? nice that's how you sell the most most books is probably having a good like you know list of fifty influencers. It's a matter of having time to like hunt down each of those individually. Mm-hmm. So you talked about self promotion. So have you learned how to self promote yourself any better? Yes and no. I like talking about the book and life in Japan, office humor and comedy, but I'm not yet. One of the things you got to do as an indie author. You got to get in there and like the online tools and use the right keywords to promote your book and buy ads that go on the right, the right sites and show the ads, the right, do do a lot of internet stuff. That stuff I'm not very good at yet and not very enthusiastically taking my, my spare time and doing to answer your question. I'm doing a lot of these interviews and podcasts and like presentations with ACCJ. I, what I've learned is that, like, to be a real indie author, independent author, like, you got to have the full tool set. Not only talking about it like this, which comes and goes. People listen to it, and then the other episodes come down the line, and yours gets in the back, the back catalog sure. pretty, pretty quickly. And it's not like your favorite movie. It's not like people want to listen to the same podcast, you know, yeah. 15 times. So to the same episode of the podcast 15 times. Yeah. Please listen to my podcast 15 episodes, please. That's my self-promotion right there. Basically, I'm just begging. Yeah. You got to learn like you got to go out and get your fans, promote your book to people. There's no agent working for me. There's no publisher working for me. I do my own editing like you. So it, it, it comes into like you got to have the full tool set. You got to know how to not only ask questions in the interview, you know how to have to know how to edit that interview. Right. And then how to like get it into the right platform, the LinkedIn's or the social media channels and all that takes a lot of attention. And so I have a lot of holes still in that. Right. Fill, fill my toolbox skill set there with like how to, how to be an indie author. So I've only got half the game down by doing a lot of podcasts. Yeah. yeah. 
And you do a very good job. You Not only are you, are you a great writer, but you're also pretty good behind the mic. Mike. Have you found that there's a different reception from the foreigners that are living in Japan that listen to your podcast or have read your book versus Japanese that have listened to your stories about working for a Japanese company? Is there any difference in the feedback that you get based on your audience? Yeah. And this is actually something kind of shocking happened to me about a month ago. I actually did a YouTube a Japanese stand-up comedian who I hunted down myself. I went to his, his act pre-COVID because uh, I thought he was a very funny guy. I wanted to show him my book. A Japanese comedian? Stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedian. Who does his acts in English. His name's Meishida. 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 And he's oh, got a YouTube out. channel, which is very funny. And it's all in English. It's for foreigners interested in Japan. He's making his rounds a little bit too, but long story short, I found him, I was looking for a guy who used to be a salary man, who's Japanese, who's a comedian. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm looking for this guy, used to be a salary man, who's okay. Japanese. Yeah, okay, wait. that narrows it down to about 60 million people. Wait, people who quit their jobs as salary men to become stand-up comedians? Okay, now that's that narrows people. it down to one guy. <laughs> yeah, that's this guy. Oh yeah, there you go. Anyway, I wanted to find someone. Okay, what I was, I'm looking to turn the book, the dream or the vision, is to turn it into a sitcom. Okay, something like a sitcom, like The Office, but oh. or Dilbert, but for Japan. Okay, that's always been the dream, and I, I really thought I need a collaborator, somebody with a sense of humor that blends with mine, but is different, different point of view, and a, a native Japanese. Yeah, this guy I found had a, a skit. This is his funniest skit, I think, on YouTube is where he talks about being a salary man for five minutes, and he's at a bar in like Shinjuku to a bunch in front of a bunch of foreigners, and he's given a five minute skit on being a salary man. And I was just like, I got to meet this guy. Nice. Found him at an open mic night, gave him my book. A couple months later, he has me on his show. And getting back to your question, I did a ten minute skit, sort of breaking down the book and a little. He asked me questions about the book and very well edited and funny. But I showed this 10-minute skit to one of my close Japanese friends okay. um, from a previous career. I sent the link to him. And this is a guy, my friend, who I had confided in about all my complaints about salaryman life. I probably talked to him for five, six years about the problems I was having, trying to fit in the Japanese companies. You know, why do they do this? Why do they have so many meetings? Or can you believe this guy? Idiot boss stories. Right. And he was a country manager for an American company. When you had these conversations with him, it wasn't in the office. This was out at the izakaya, or yeah. out at the bar. Yeah, yeah. He didn't work in the same company as me. Okay. And we were meeting, we were friends, we were working different jobs, meeting. Me, ironically, the American working in a very Japanese salaryman job. Him, ironically, the country manager for a small American software company. So we're like the opposite of what you kind of expect. Very sympathetic and... So he was kind of translating the culture aspect for you. Yeah, yeah, he helped me through it. When he would complain about the American side of his job, I'd do the same. We had a very, uh, what do you call it, symbiosis kind of thing going on there. And I send him this link. Cultural to the, frustration, give and take. Yeah. He knows I, write, I wrote the book. Uh, didn't read it, but that's fine. Did yeah. you give him a copy? I did, yeah, I did. And he didn't read it? No, he hadn't read it yet, uh, which... Still, that takes, that takes time. That's another thing I've learned the last six months is people need time to read. 
my instincts are like, hey, after a month, why haven't you read that yet? It's what I want to say, but I learn real fast. You got to give people time to read stuff. Yeah, but your book is not War and Peace. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, and I'm not trying to disparage your book. It's an easy read. It's a, it's, a, it's a simple read. It has short chapters, a lot of illustrations in it. That, I think, like, I share that same mindset as you. He didn't like the pointing out of the Japanese side of the things about Japanese companies I found inexcusable. For example? Uh, his point of view was very selfish. You should be more thankful. You know, you should show appreciation and be thankful. It's a very selfish act. This is not my kind of thing. And, okay. and so I, I told him, well, that's, I appreciate the honesty. And that explains why you, you didn't write the book, too. <laughs> Maybe you put it down after first chapter. I was like, these are things, the book, some of the book came out of conversations we had. Literally, the Hesokuri chapter about the pocket money, the secret money stash that salarymen keep, that practice. Yeah. I literally pinged him for background and context on that. Not only did he give me that, he gave me his own stories about it that went into the book. So I'm like, you know, you're, you're, you're taking out stuff that's already been you were part of the development of this book. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> so anyway, we had a, I mean, we really had it out and it got nasty. And I realized, and this is part of my own. Well, why did um, it get nasty? You were, you were defending yourself? I, I went back at him for, for things too. He called me selfish, so I called him the same. He called me childish, I called him the same. It was one of those things. I'm not proud of it either. I should have probably taken the high road. I know you are, but what am I? Yeah, and... And I, I realized, though, after the more and more I, I thought about it, I was, it was one of these work friends. It wasn't a real friendship that we had. We, he and I, before I joined, uh, moved to Japan, we worked for the same company. Ah, okay. So he and I went way back. Our relationship then was completely different than it turned out being once I got to Japan and started working in Japanese companies. Well, in Japan, you know, there's this kohai-senpai relationship. Kohai Senpai would yeah. be defined as? Mentor, protege? Yeah, mentor, protege, boss, underling. Other thing is he's a year or two younger than me, so we never had a natural... Oh. We're not either. We're, we don't fit into that protege, mentor you know, category because of that. We always had this weird... We're not real friends because it's always been through work or like... Through, so how's this going to turn out? He, he said something over the top insulting and I just said that like I just was like that's it I'm not going back at him anymore and, uh, you, didn't, you didn't offer a, let's go have a drink and settle this <laughs> no no, <laughs> no I, uh, any mea culpa that you want to uh, offer here and now no <laughs> let it sit there I can't I can't what? go back into that <laughs> we should put a bow on that story well in Japan everybody is part of a group the biggest group is being Japanese. That's the biggest group of all. There's the family. The family is is dependent on the father or the husband. The husband is dependent on the company. Yeah. The company is dependent upon the government. Right. And the government is dependent upon all the people following the rules, so to speak. So everybody has a group and, and, and you can have like these splinter groups, like maybe your karate club, ballet club or your, your group of friends from school, your group of friends from work. Yeah. So in your case, this gentleman sounds like he was a part of your work group. Yeah. 
And I think of writing a book or doing a YouTube channel or being a guest on a YouTube channel, you're sort of breaking away from a group and doing something that's showcasing your own talent. And I think that's the part he didn't like. He was okay with me sharing my stories negatively, even with a group that's contained within a social group. So maybe that says something about me. Like I'm this guy who never, I didn't find my identity of where I wanted to do until I started like finding that place where I could write and do my own thing. You've created a new group. Yeah. Well, Your own group. Sitting at home alone. Very good. Plowing ahead. In the seven months since we last spoke, you now have a new book, yes. right? You now have a, a manga book. A spinoff. Talk about that a little bit. Yes. So the Salaryman memoir, which you interviewed me for before, you know, 230-page book, memoir, full of my theories about Japan and illustrations done by Reina to help sort of provide uh, punchlines yeah. to situations. They're really good, too. Yeah, and what happened during that making those illustrations, I, I would definitely give her the detailed directions in doing it, and we'd had a lot of fun doing them. And it just left me with this hunger to do a lot more. And I put that in the, you know, my, on the side and said, we got to do a manga someday. I don't know when I'm going to do it. And that's what we ended up doing. We did issue number one of the Salaryman manga, which is just, it's, it's taking the gist of the story of the book and just putting it into like everyday life. Issue of, number one, what does that mean? Is this an ongoing series? Yeah, it's a series published digitally uh, on Amazon and Comixology. And it's, yeah, it's just like, a, you know, like you used to buy Archie comics when you were a kid that was like, each one was 40 pages or whatever, told five or six stories, episodes inside of those 40 yep. pages. That's Except for is. it doesn't sell sea monkeys on the last page, does it? <laughs> right. Or like, uh, yeah, like fake dog poop or what, you know. <laughs> whoopee cushions. <laughs> whoopee cushions. <laughs> We're totally dating ourselves here. I bought a couple of those probably. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an issue by issue, 20, 30 pages, a couple dollars each, fully manga illustrated. How much does each episode cost? So on Amazon, it's like $2, 20 cents. In Japan, I think it's a little less than that. Okay. It's like 210 yen, 220 yen, if I'm right. not mistaken. On Comixology, which is the U.S. digital comics platform, yeah. biggest one in the U.S., it's $2, $1.99. What about merchandising? Having the illustration, which you have with Reina, and then have a quote from your book, and then you kind of marry the two. You could put it on a coffee cup, you could put it on a t-shirt, you could put it on a calendar. You know, yeah. you know, every day you have a quote from your salaryman book with a little illustration or something like that. Wow, that's man, that's hardcore merchandising. This is that's funny that you mentioned the merchandising. The first issue of this manga, there's two episodes. Okay, there's a prologue and the second episode is called the art, the art of the Tokyo nap. How I learned how to nap like a salaryman. But in between those two, I put a one-page fake advertisement kind of in the Saturday Night Live mold of like, you know, those fake commercials. Yeah. You know, the love toilet or Basomatic or whatever. I, yeah. I want to do something like that in between the episodes to break it up. My idea is salaryman approved behavior or salaryman approved products. Nice. And it has a, stamp, a honko stamp at the top and it's like, this is salaryman approved. It's a joke. And mine was not a product this time. I was approving my idea of using shochu and chuhai to pour into a water bottle to make yeah. your commute more fun right. and drink and get drunk while you're 
on this hour-long miserable commute. Which you literally did when you were a salaryman. Yes. So it was my salaryman approved, the hip flask uh, for Tokyo. Okay. But with my salaryman character's face on it or something. We should be taking some notes here. We could start to brainstorm, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the one spinoff I have gotten, I played with, with Meshida, the Japanese comedian we yeah. mentioned earlier, is a manzai act. <laughs> oh, A two-person yeah. comedy act. I wrote a script for a manzai act with him. Okay. But then COVID happened, right? <laughs> so we were, we're like, there goes the chance to actually fool around with this and go to open mics and play with the idea of doing a... He's the, he, I'm the straight man, and he's the... Uh, I, don't, I forgot the names for those. Uh, Tsukome and Boke. Boke. Which is the... The Boke. straight guy and the fool. Or the, the funny guy or the he's, dumb guy. He's the fool, and I'm the straight man was the way we wrote it. And that works because he's a stand-up comedian. I'm definitely not. And you're a salary man. Yeah. That's an idea. It was like trying to spin it off into something that's like a comedy act. But the other real focus is just sitcom for office comedy. Getting back to your manga series. So you said the, the, you've launched the first one. Yes. How many are you planning? Do one a month. What you want to do, I've learned as an indie author, the best way to like build a career out of it is to have a, a series where people can like anticipate your next issue and right. get used to it. And then it just builds. The more you publish, the more you get a following, and that's the way to do it. Uh, so I think what you, what, what you can do then, too, is after you publish 10 or 12 of them, package it into Series 1 or Season 1 or something like that. Yeah. Know? And then move on to another season. Season 1 kind of thing, like they do TV shows. Like the box set. Yeah. You can purchase this on Amazon. Yeah. And what is it called? The Salaryman Manga Edition. Is it more profitable to publish digitally or with a physical book? Depends on if you use color or not. In the book I did last year, I had 70 or so color illustrations, which were beautifully done by Reina. Right. And I would never want to make those black and white. It just, it would just cut the whole heart out of the whole thing. It wouldn't look very good either. So I had to use color paper, which made the book three times more expensive to print. Therefore, the price was almost $30 for the print book in the U.S. and like 2,200 yen in Japan. Pretty expensive. Like I make a, you know, 100 yen a book or something on the print version. You've got to sell a lot of volume. So print is more about the showing the quality of the work to real followers or somebody who wants to keep it. Yep. Digital is more effective. The price is like under 600 yen. So it's like, you know, one-fifth the cost. And you can still make better margins than 100 yen a book. So digital is the way to go. And my sales have been 50-50 digital print, both Japan and worldwide. So it's pretty, the market's pretty, not there yet, totally, digitally. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your physical book has, what, 20 chapters? Roughly, yeah. In theory, you could have 20 manga episodes, right? Yes. Okay. So you have this track record of a great book, and you already have one episode out. You obviously know how many people have already downloaded it. Couldn't you appeal to these people and say, we've got another 19 coming out. Why don't you pre-purchase these other 19 for this special discount? Yes. And... We'll send you the book for free. Yeah, crowd crowdfunding is like that. that. That's what I think what it basically is for yeah. books. And there are sites that do that. That's one of the potential approaches I've thought about doing to keep this going. Um, because I I self funded the first issue. There's a there's a name for this. I'm I would sound smarter if I knew it. But it's sort of like a beta reader 
or a closely held, you got 50 or 80 people who are like close readers of your fans. Stuff. Fans, yes. Who are um, also great. You're going to need a lot more than that, though. <laughs> I don't know. There are different levels of this. The way I like to think about this is these stories are born out of like people like yourself and a lot of your guests on your show who've lived here a while who it, they under, it resonates the situations totally resonate yep. like oh yeah that's the Japan experience for a lot of us guys girls ladies working here but there's some universal themes to them that make they're funny to even Americans who've never been to Japan so I like to think that the way to go would be to find 50 or so folks like you I can show stories to and say this is the first draft of the manga it, it, does this sing true to you yeah and do you follow the thread? Is it punchy enough? Is it too far out there? Or is it not far enough out there? It's and idea crowdfunding. Yeah. You have a, a Facebook page, the Salaryman Facebook page, right? Well, I have my own website, too. Yeah, your own website. Which has a, a, a email sign-up. Those are the kind of people I would look to first. Right. How many people do you have signed up? I've got 120 or so okay. subscribers. It's a nice start. Yeah. You could appeal to these people. You know, thank you for being a Salaryman supporter. We've now launched this manga series. We're also going to be launching some merchandise. Which quotes from the book and which images from the book or which images do you want to see? You should appeal to these people that have taken the time to sign up because they're obviously fans. Idea source, merchandising ideas, quotes, images, all these things. Yes. Are you proactively trying to increase those numbers? Proactive, yes. Like I'm doing tons of podcasts and interviews, and I, I post everything I do on LinkedIn and Facebook, my Facebook page. Yeah. And I have an email newsletter. I send out my my happenings or my new manga release. Those are my active things. As yeah. far as getting organized and being like, tactically, how can I fund this so that it comes out this often? Yep. That is where I lack a good organization, honestly, yeah. right now. But I, I'm, I'm a lot further along than I was eight months ago. So I'm working full-time the whole time, which is always an excuse. I mean, you do the same thing. Yeah. You do great podcasts. So Thank you. Segwaying to that, you have some big changes in your life. Yes. And you will soon be, after 13 years, leaving Japan. That is correct. What's the next chapter for the salary, man? Well... Full dis disclosure, and I didn't disclose this last time I was on the podcast. I work for Amazon, have been in, at Amazon Japan for the past three plus years, and I'm moving back to the U.S. with Amazon uh, to work in their Kindle Direct Publishing Group, KDP. Touchdown! Which is the tool I use to publish the book and the manga. So this is a... There you go. That's an easy way to explain it. Walk in the walk. How instrumental was having your book published through Kindle Publishing to getting this job? It was huge. Actually knowing the process of publishing and all the steps in it, challenges of it, great things about it, and then the things they could probably improve on, that was huge. That's all you can ask for right. when you're uh, going into a sales or marketing job is like where you've already been through the very specialized steps of the customer. These are not consumers. These are actual publish publishing authors. Yeah. Some are very professional. Some are just, you know, hobbyists. 
So how do you feel about leaving Japan after 13 years? Much more complicated answer. Oh, the, the peaks and valleys I have been through in this country. I am so proud of like the way I improved, I think, as a result of living here as a person. It's very bittersweet. What's happened to me in Japan? So I, I had two great kids, got married, got divorced, went through a gauntlet of working in Japanese companies, which were horrible fits for me, not all their fault, a lot of my fault too, but learned a ton, got a book out of it, yeah. <laughs> and a manga. Gained friends, lost friends, as we had already mentioned. I'm doing a lot of thinking about why I never really was too happy here. And a lot of it did have to do with the experiences in that book I wrote. Yeah. I, it's a lot of self-therapy in that book. And it cost me a lot. It burned me out. It, it probably contributed to my divorce. So closing the book on all that is a very... Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, pun intended, I guess. Yeah. What are you going to miss the most? I'll tell you what I'll miss. Uh, little things like you go to a restaurant and you, you can't get outdoor seating. It's good weather. And they give you a free slice of watermelon for your inconvenience. That level of... That level of... This is multinashi stuff that you cover in your Yeah, your hospitality, podcast. sure, yeah. The hospitality is what I'm talking about here. I don't obsess over motenashi, but those little touches yeah. of uh, the heart of Japan, like they literally care about your comfort here. The level of service is pretty special. Yeah, and the peacefulness in general, the mentality of it, how easily that comes to them to be not confrontational, but uh, like more seeking a unity or a wah or harmony. I complain about all that shit in the book, of course. Yeah. Now I'm sitting here saying I'm going to miss it. <laughs> so... There you go. In Japan, there's this after-work social life that people have. Yeah. And it's a part of life here. And when you go back to your own country, everybody leaves work and they go straight home. And maybe on the weekend, you might meet at a sports bar or you might go over to somebody's house for dinner or have yeah. a potluck or something like that. And I think that's one of the big cultural uh, shocks that that I've heard from a lot of my friends that have gone back to their home countries. You miss this scene, like right here, that we have in front of us. Socially vibrant, international feeling. That yeah. combination is pretty intoxicating. Yeah. That's Tokyo. The other thing that's Tokyo, though, everything it takes to like be a fast-moving person here that is on time, is, is checking all the boxes at work, and then everything where it needs to be. I always felt like the Japanese and people like yourself were 10 steps ahead of me and being able to live like that. And that's what I got tired of. And this is not a complaint because it's like, it's hard to do those things. It takes a lot of work to like be efficient in your life in Japan. I, I, I sort of understand what you're talking about. If you're not prepared for what we would call inconveniences, such as riding extremely crowded trains, which also means following a set of social rules, some which are unspoken. If you're not prepared to accept that, it could be stressful. It could be definitely a cultural shock. And it could be um, a source of frustration. That's for sure. You get this, I start to get this, and this is probably more my personality. I got this feeling of like, I'm not, if something wrong happens to me here, it's going to take such an effort to undo that wrong like uh, I want to I want to have internet banking I want to join this internet bank because it has the lowest rate and all my friends told me it's great my Japanese friends I try to join 
it took 10 letters to them to try to apply for it because my middle name screwed up their system. I had like almost quit my job for a week to try to concentrate on getting internet banking. This is what I mean. I, I probably overreact a little, but when those compound on themselves, you know, like everything is in arrears, you're catching up. You're never yeah. ahead of it. I could never get ahead of it here. Personal organization skills probably failed me, but it takes extraordinary, I think, personal organizational skills and dedication to the language. That combination probably is one of the secrets to the long-term success here. You came here to Japan when you were around 30-ish, right? Yes, 32. 32, yeah. A lot of your customs and your expectations were already set. The very first time I ever came to Japan, I was 16 years old. And I was very fascinated with Japan. I was very interested in Japan. Any new experience that happened to me, I didn't view it as good or bad. It was just, oh, wow, this is completely different. Yeah. You know, I'm 16, I'm 17, I'm 18. Wow, this is, this is different. Wow, okay. So a lot of these inconveniences, whether it be the space or the official formalities like at the bank or at the ward office, all these hoops that we have to go through, which you describe as extremely frustrating. Um, yeah, it's frustrating for me too, but I've kind of grown to accept it. I think there's a, a difference there in your Japan experience based on how old you are, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap this up. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to promote? What's on your mind? I'm in a very nostalgic, because I'm looking back at 13 years yes. in Japan. And I'm going back to live, in the short term, in my parents' home, where I grew up. The same home. How cliche would that be? 13-year Japan resident and author moves back to his mom's basement. Um, no, so the point is nostalgia is on my mind. Yes. Both in Japan, looking back. Here's what happened. Here's, here's I just, sense that. So here's like things that happened to me when I was in Japan. I lost my first job while my son, my, my first child, my, my wife at that time was pregnant with him. I lost my first job in the middle of that oh. while she was pregnant. Had to go through the hello work unemployment for six months during that. Sorry to interject. The unemployment office in Japan is called hello work. Oh, they got to wrap even the shame of unemployment and cuteness <laughs> in English, which is charming. But the book will dive in, dives into that. Konnichiwa shigoto. Anyway, continue. Uh, and then I got my house broken into that same year. That's like... Somebody insulting you, then kicking your dog. I lost my job, and then somebody breaks into my house. It's like, dude. You should write a country music song. <laughs> yes. What'd they steal? Uh, just went into our wallets, took credit cards and cash, and then dumped the credit cards in our backyard. But they tiptoed right by our bedroom door, walked upstairs. Oh, you got, were in the house? We were in the house with our three-month-old baby. Came in like a ninja and just like, this is all my fault, which is most of the stories in... Japan, that things went wrong were my fault. I left the screen door unlocked. So that happened. I uh, ended up working in a, in a racketeering kind of situation where a company I was working for had some shady stuff going on that I discovered. And I wasn't doing the racketeering. I was just sort of like working innocently like a lot of the other Japanese. This sounds like a great second book. Yeah, I am outlining that as a future, future book. So that happened to me. That ordeal was very traumatic 
uh, working for sort of a, an outfit that you know Which is was shady. more dramatic, getting your house broken into while you were sleeping or working for a racketeering boss? That, oh, that one, the latter. I, I felt obligated to blow a whistle. Okay. I decided to just leave the company instead. But that was, I still thought about it very seriously, my obligation to maybe do that. And then went to the most traditional Japanese company ever in the next job, which was not a great fit, a terrible fit. What is your definition of the most Japanese company ever? Raw materials supplier, family-owned, like monopoly almost in Japan. Huge, huge company with dozens of factories in Japan. Raw materials, precious metals, that kind of thing. So that was an ordeal. I... Uh, Keep going. I like this. I had knee surgery, which that's not nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. How many times have you been hospitalized in Japan? It's the only time. Okay. Colonoscopy. So. But that had nothing to do with your knee surgery. Nothing to do with it. No. <laughs> that had everything to do with finding a way to take days off that my boss would not uh, raise his eyebrows yeah. at. <laughs> Got divorced. Went through divorce here. So that's that's nostalgia, but that's pain. But that's um, there's so many good things too. But friends like you know people meet like you, artists like Reina, that opened my eyes to like how much talent is here in the country. Well, it's come full circle. You were one of my first guests uh, when I started this podcast this year. So I feel a little nostalgia as well tonight. We actually just planned this as kind of a farewell, have a couple drinks, and I thought you know what. It's been about seven months since we talked on the podcast, and I wonder what's changed. And so I brought my gear with me, and we're recording it, and that that was the, it was kind of spur of the moment. This is the first time I've ever done a podcast without preparing anything before. Spur of the moment, he goes, oh, look here in my briefcase, I've got my microphone set. (laughs) Spur of the moment. Dude, it's a backpack, (laughs) it's not a briefcase. (laughs) Any any self-promotion that you want to do about your book, about your manga, about all the merchandise that's soon to come? The pitch. Well, everything is at my website, thesalarymanbook.com. That's where the memoir is. That's where the manga series is. And all the podcasts, including yours, links to them are there. Reviews of the book by the Japan Times and other you know leading publications are there. And I really encourage people, I'd love to get them subscribed to it. So I can uh, keep in touch and get their feedback. And All the best to you and good luck back in the States. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for your time today. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks. And that was Mike Howard, a.k.a. The Salary Man. More about his book, his manga series, where to order, and how to sign up for his newsletter are all at thesalarymanbook.com. I can say I've read both. They're entertaining and insightful. And you don't have to love Japan or be a fan of manga to enjoy them. So check it out. Thank you very much for listening. I would be humbled and honored if you left a positive review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. This has been Now in Zen Japan. Until next time, bye everyone. Bye everyone.